Oh, now you don't want to sing? Now that it's being recorded. <laughs> no, they can't have that. They got to pay for that. Oh, they got to pay for that? <laughs> they got to pay for a movie ticket? <laughs> yep. To hear, to hear you sing a rendition of a song that's in a movie. <laughs> that they probably all already know because it's not like there wasn't a version that came out in the 90s. So Exactly. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. It is just Justin and I tonight. We are going to be doing an episode on the live action remake of the Disney classic Aladdin. So we will be, you know, talking about what we like, disliked and everything in between. But you probably know how these episodes go when it's especially just two people. So, Justin, what do you think of Aladdin? Well, well. Mr. Aladdin, sir, what will your pleasure be? Okay, what do I think about Aladdin? Well, overall, I mean, this this was enjoyable. Do I think that this was better than the original Aladdin? Not quite, and we'll get um, into some of those things. But with all of these um, live action uh, Disney remakes, you know, I find them kind of interesting. There are people that will definitely argue, are they necessary? Is this really something that we need? Is this something, uh, a story that needs to be retold? Weren't the classics just the classics? Okay, sure. But I don't know, man. I mean, I kind of like that these different versions are coming out and I think it gives kind of a a new generation, younger people, a chance to kind of experience these tales and these stories. And also it just kind of is interesting to kind of relive your, the old classics. And you know, there are songs that you recognize and uh, things like that and elements of the story. And it's always kind of interesting to see how they go about doing these live action remakes. So I'm okay with it. And hey, the 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 point of this is money, right? So of course they're going to re-release some of their old classics. Why not? Why not capitalize on a new way to make money off of something that generally people like and are going to be motivated to go see? Uh from what I understand, this is doing well at the box office, so hey, live and let be. But as so as far as this movie uh goes and everything like that. First of all, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't at first talk about Will Smith, because let's just face it, Will Smith, especially when the previews were going on for this film, received a whole lot of flack. A lot of flack. People were hating on Will Smith as the genie, even the thought of the idea of it. I remember when the the casting announcement was first announced, just the backlash that he got because he's not Robin Williams or how is he going to stand up to the Robin Williams performance or, oh, how could they do this to the genie? How does he fit the role of Robin Williams? And they didn't want Will Smith. They wanted other people. They wanted Jack Black or they wanted... I heard even Seth Rogen or something like, you know, they wanted somebody else to play this character. Um, But I will say that, honestly, uh, I think that Will Smith is one of the strongest things about this movie. I think that he had a presence that really helped propel and carry this film at some points when it was struggling for all the flack that he got when the previews came out about how he looked and, oh, Will Smith looks terrible and, oh, I don't know how this is going to look. It is remarkable the turnaround 
that he has made given the initial fan backlash because the 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 fan reception of this film has been exceptionally high i know on rotten tomatoes it's like at a 90 percent, and nobody is complaining about will smith and will i feel knocks it out of the park in here he's funny there are parts where he's endearing and genuine and there are parts where because of his presence he helps and actually enhances the performance of the other actors and actresses i think that they next to him they it actually excelled what they were doing um other things that i loved about this film is that this film is just beautiful and i think that that's one of the things that i love about revisiting some of these live action remakes regardless of how you want to argue how useful or how necessary they are there's just something about seeing how these directors and how these writers reimagine this world in a live action way. So, I mean, there were so many brilliant looking set pieces. There were so many vibrant colors. There were so many just uh, uh, amazing picturesque uh, portions of scenery that existed throughout the film. So the film was beautiful to look at. It was always candy for the eyes. And, and we'll go into problems in a minute and not necessarily all the time, especially with some of the elements of the CGI. But overall, I really enjoyed the look of this film. And there were some storyline elements that they added to this movie because, of course, you know, these live action remakes will typically add songs they'll add moments they'll add scenes they'll try to round out some of these characters and give them some development that maybe we didn't get in the original classics and in this film i really appreciated the enhancement for princess jasmine i thought that in the original she of course and which was acceptable at the time but in the original she just kind of comes off as this damsel most of the time she was definitely tough-minded and she definitely was um did not want to adhere to the rules of the land and having to marry someone that she really wasn't fond of and different things like that and she showed a rebellious spirit in the original cartoon but this one I think really did the character justice. She was opinionated. She had thoughts about the politics of what was going on there. She um, d displayed leadership qualities and she was determined to prove herself and, and tell everyone that she wasn't going to be silent about the things that her country needed. She wasn't going to be silent about her thoughts and her opinions. And I think that right now, especially for the progressive nature of films right now and the empowerment that we're trying to show ladies at this time i thought that that was a nice touch rather than having her turn out to be the damsel that just gets saved by a latin she had a bigger role here and i appreciated that uh overall um i you know to say some last few things i enjoyed this film i uh, for the most part i thought that most of the scenes landed um and most of the performances landed and of course we'll get into dislikes in a moment but for the most part i, I found everybody likable and enjoyable in this film no I, I i'm right there with you especially with uh will smith and uh naomi scott i thought both of them did phenomenal jobs uh will smith especially like i'm not a huge fan of the original uh aladdin and it's mainly because i don't like the way that they did uh Robin Williams and the genie. Um, this is going to sound weird, but it was a little too cartoony 
when the you know i understand it's an animated movie and stuff like that but disney movies never felt cartoony you know he felt like a looney tunes character trapped in a disney movie and that really kind of always rubbed me the wrong way and so this will smith version of it like while they did do some of those things where they uh they're randomly doing modern references to things that are very out of place um it it, it still ended up kind of working i felt a little bit better because he still felt a little more grounded in everything so i did yeah oh and i was just gonna mirror that oh sorry yeah no go Um, ahead Sorry, but I was, I know this is your time, but I just wanted to say, no, you're totally right about that aspect of Will Smith. And yeah, like with the Robin Williams performance, I mean, it's definitely Robin Williams, but we know his style of comedy. He just likes to do all of these impressions and voices and he jumps in and out um, of different personalities and different things and stuff like that. And it's very zany. And I can see how so like how what you're saying sometimes that can be compelling and that can be entertaining but sometimes that can be kind of detaching and i like that this genie was a little more humanized i thought that will smith definitely brought more of a um human uh tendency side a human presence to the genie so that it wasn't just all fun and games and gags you actually felt that this was a person and you 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 you, you, when he said he wished for freedom that came off as a little more believable uh because of the way he portrayed the character yeah he was never doing characters during this he was just doing him as the genie and i think that's what i did appreciate the most out of it like i said it felt grounded you know it it felt like maybe he was a person that was cursed and became a genie or maybe vice versa or whatever. Whereas the genie in the, in the Latin animated films is just a genie. And then when he gets his freedom, he's just a free genie. Like he's just, he's both all the time. He's still like, once he's freed, he's still got tons of magical powers. And that's one thing I really kind of appreciated about this is he kind of had the sense of, of what it was like to maybe have had freedom at one point and then have it had it been taken away from him type of situation. I also really liked how he kept kind of alluding to the fact that Aladdin was kind of going down a dangerous path with the way he was, you know, going about his wishes and stuff like that or what he was trying to obtain, you know, because for whatever reason, Genie felt some sort of kinship with him regardless of whether or not he was going to be freed or not. You know, and I and I felt like Will Smith did a very good job of that too, especially towards the end, whenever it's like third wish time and Aladdin had promised to free him and he was like, All right, well, you know, Will Smith, that that genie didn't even take that into account at that point. He's like, Look, if we do this, this, and this, and this, and this, you know, we can maybe get you back on that path that you can be with Jasmine. And, you know, there were certain aspects of that stuff I I, I really thought was nice because it really showed that he had a bond with Aladdin. You know, and he he kept trying to warn him like, hey, you're going down a shaky path like you're going like I know you have good intentions, but you're going down the same path that other people go down where it might mean that you're not going to get what you want in the end. You're going to end up failing because your wishes are kind of along the same lines. And I really appreciated that aspect of it, that he, he really did seem like ultimately that he cared for Aladdin, that he was trying to help this this guy. Uh, make the best of the opportunity of having the wishes and what that represented and or could represent and tried to help him and help guide him to get to a point to where 
Aladdin wouldn't just end up like everyone else. Yeah. And I think what also really added to that element was the fact that Will Smith in this or the genie in this mentioned that, man, I've seen this kind of guy before. I've I've had all of these types of masters before and all they ever want to do, they're they're all about themselves. They do things for selfish intentions or they're never satisfied. They hope they wish for all the money in the world and it's never enough. They wish for this and they wish for that. And there's no fulfillment in that. So you got the sense that that going through all of these masters and being this genie for so long, he had wisdom. He was wise to these behaviors and these patterns so he could see the the path that Aladdin was starting to tread the bad one and so I like how you are like you said and it was a perfect blend of not making the decisions for him but trying to get him to see man hey man don't do the same thing that my other masters have done and that was definitely a nice touch because I don't recall the Robin Williams genie ever kind of doing that he I mean the the big message in the cartoon was more like be yourself and that was definitely in there but I liked this genie, the the Will Smith genie saying, look, man, I've had plenty of masters and this normally just doesn't go as well for them as you think. Yeah. And I liked how they go full circle with their description of, of Jafar whenever Will Smith first appears as the genie and he's like, oh, you're not the guy that summoned me. Where's the guy that summoned me? You know, that guy, the guy that just wants me for power. Like, where's that guy at? And the lad makes a joke of, oh, he's outside. and. Then you get later when they come across Jafar, Aladdin is like, oh, no, that's the guy. And Genie's like, oh, that's the guy. And then when Jafar does get the lamp, he's that guy. Like, I love how it really does become full circle. And, you know, one of those things that Genie kind of warns Aladdin about is that, you know, you've, you've got to be specific with your wishes. You can't leave gray area and expect what you want to come out. So and then that comes full circle, too. With Jafar, he makes a very vague style of wish. So he's able to, you know, Genie's able to manipulate that into a, you know, Jafar becoming a genie at the end. So then he's bound, you know, his his powers are bound, which is kind of a flaw in the logic because like Genie's like, I need you to make a wish and all this other stuff at one scene or another. And, you know, has to make sure that Aladdin rubs the lamp when he does it and all this other stuff. Then how did he trick them with the first wish? To get out of the cave like that's yeah. that's always something that was a little weird because he just put the thing behind his back but you know so at that point genie's not you know confined by magical rules but then all of a sudden he kind of is later when it comes to saving his life it's you know it's he's all of a sudden bound but i'm like well why wouldn't the magic just work the same either way like you would have to have he would have to be holding it for the the wish to happen or is it just the fact that the genie heard it it's just it, it that is inconsistent and that is something that i do find very weird and that i don't like about that aspect of it because one thing that drives me nuts more than anything is when a movie establishes rules just to break them i don't understand the point of that and that kind of does the same thing within this aspect of it when it comes to the magic but in general though i liked I liked how humanizing the the genie was, especially the scenes where he was just Will Smith, you know, with a weird little beard thing and a top knot. And I liked those scenes because he was able to like go around with Aladdin and not draw attention to that. There's this floating blue guy right there. And 
So like in it, it allowed for better scenes with him. Like there's a scene where Aladdin dances and stuff like that. And the genie is magically controlling him to make him dance better and all this other stuff. And I mean, I kind of found the scene ultimately pointless because it just seemed like it was added in there to have a really cool dance break in the middle of the movie. But I did like the fact that it showed how this genie was different than the animated version by having the ability of having him there in person to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, uh, that's definitely uh, a good point. And yeah, when I agree that when Will Smith um, was human uh, to, in order to disguise himself, those were some of the best scenes, maybe not specifically that dance scene, because yeah, you're right. I also struggled to kind of find the point with that, but just some of the scenes of dialogue are like when Aladdin was nervous and trying to get something out and Will Smith is trying to help him, uh, collect his words and not say bad things. And he just couldn't, and Aladdin just couldn't get it out. And, and, Genie is really, really trying to help him. Like, I loved those scenes. I thought that those were funny. I thought that those really came off well. And for the actor that played Aladdin, I thought those were some of his stronger scenes, for sure. Or the whole Prince Ali song. Um, By having Will Smith there in human form, he was able to be a legitimate part of everything. He was able to be out front and lead the procession and all that other stuff. It made that kind of sit better than having the animated genie or having him be blue in that scene would have it helped really kind of make like sell those scenes and i'm really glad they made that choice to do that and i really also have to to mimic what you said about uh naomi scott uh playing jasmine i mean she she was a fucking powerhouse in this movie i truly truly loved her in this movie the only experience i had had with her before this was the power rangers movie and we won't go into it too much because i vastly liked that movie way more than you did but that was the only experience i had really had as her as an actress and to see her come into this role of jasmine who is for better or worse just a, a very iconic disney princess she really held her own in that and made her version of jasmine feel kind of fresh and she wasn't you know she was still just as headstrong but backed it up a little better like you said than she did in the animated version of it and so i did really appreciate that they did kind of use her in a weird way towards the end of the movie um where she's got a song that's a very empowering song for the character of jasmine uh, i think it's called unspoken or something like that and i liked that song for the mentality of that character i liked having that you know, her truly expressing her emotions and her feelings and her, her, her mindset and really showing her strength through that song. The problem was, is where they placed it. And I'll go into that a little more later, but they placed it in a very, very odd time in the movie that really kind of ruined another character that in a way that almost ruins a lot of the movie, because one of my biggest theories on Disney movies is Disney movies for the most part, they're animated movies are only as strong as their villains. If their villains aren't compelling or you don't see the the antithesis between the protagonist and the antagonist strongly enough and you don't really get how evil the villain is, then the movie kind of suffers as a whole. I I I do think that their their computer animated movies don't necessarily have as much of an issue with that. Uh cuz Frozen and Moana didn't feel like they were hindered by that as much cuz I think they made the I guess the journey kind of more of the 
antagonist than an actual uh, being at the end. But a lot of their animated ones, when you really look at it, like when you've got a Maleficent and a Scar and uh, Dr. Faustus and uh, even a uh, what's his name from uh, from uh, Beauty and the Beast. Um, Gaston. I don't know. Yeah, Gaston. Like you really see the antithesis of those characters versus the heroes, you know, I mean, and so in this, when you've got Jafar and Aladdin and, and I'll go ahead and go into my, some of my dislikes with it is Jafar was by far the weakest fucking link in this movie because in no way, shape or form was he as menacing enough as Jafar needed to be. I mean, he in no way, shape or form lived up to the character that he is his, his animated version of it. Like it wasn't even a different take or, anything like that it was just a weaker version of the character like the the character of aladdin we haven't mentioned him much in this but he grew on me as the movie went which i know they would rather you just kind of like him from the beginning but i'll say once he got with genie and you got to see him interact more with other characters and was able to bounce off other people his version of the character grew on me i ultimately liked him by the end of the movie and I was not sold on him at the beginning. Whereas with, with Jeannie and Jasmine, they kind of won me over almost instantaneously. They had very uh, gripping performances when it comes to stuff like that. But I don't think I was ever really on board with Jafar, ever. I mean, maybe when you first meet him, he kicks a guy down a well like King Leonidas style from 300. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, this guy's a fucking savage. And you're like, all right, let's see. And then the next time you see him, you're like, oh, he's not. He doesn't seem as ruthless as that. It's it was it's, so I guess that made it a little bit more jarring because they introduce him as ruthless as fuck. And then he never seems that ruthless ever again. Like if he was that ruthless at the beginning, I would argue that he would have been killing other people left and right once he had powers. Yeah. You know, he would have been more murderous if he was just already like introduce introduce him to this guy. Murderer from the beginning and then he just kind of gets tamer as the movie goes and then he gets powers which should have ramped up some of that stuff he then even felt even more tame the more powers he got like it was just super super weird like a lot of the choices they made with some of that stuff i mean and i'll i mean i guess i'll argue that maybe guy Ritchie as the director was not the best of choices for something like that because considering most of his good movies rely heavily on drug usage or just terrible terrible people committing crimes Hmm. i don't know if that was the best of choice for something like this like you can't go from like i don't know how somebody watched snatch and then went this guy should direct aladdin (laughs) i'm not really seeing the correlation of the two i feel like there would probably have been much better directors that with given the same story and the same cast could have maybe structured it better to where you wouldn't have those issues because as i was alluding to earlier and i and me and justin have had a previous discussion and some of this is based on stuff he said but we really both truly agree on this is that jasmine's song about unspokenness and like she's not going to go out just unspoken she's not going to be just one of those seen and not her princesses she has that song right in the middle of jafar's villainous like overhaul like when he's becoming stronger like he's just became sultan i don't think he had become a like a a sorcerer yet not yet no but yes he's he's in the middle of becoming all these evil evil things and getting more and more power he had just used his first wish became sultan and he's like take her to the dungeon and she has this song and like i said it's a great great song but it really takes away from the momentum that jafar was building at that point so it went hey villainous turn 
you know, when you're truly amping up and you're truly showing people how shitty you are, hold on, song break for a different character. And it really takes you out of the flow of his turn. So you never really truly get on board with it. So then by the end of it, when he's the all, you know, evil genie, you're you're just like, okay, whatever in this. Like you don't care. Yeah. And just to spell that out even a little bit more, just for those who have seen the original and maybe you even saw this one or you're wondering, Kyle, what does he mean by momentum? Well, think about the original cartoon and how that all played out. The moment that Jafar got that that lamp, he got scene after scene after scene of him dominating, decimating, using his powers. You know, he said, make me the Sultan. Boom. Uh, the, the Sultan's clothes all of a sudden magically went away and Jafar had them on. And then he was telling them to bow and they looked like servants. So there was all these visual things going on to just kind of show Jafar's dominance. Then he was telling Jasmine to bow and they and the Sultan to bow and they would. And he said, "Okay, well, if you're not going to bow to a sultan, you'll cower before a sorcerer. So then when he becomes the sorcerer, he's doing all this magic and stuff and just he made them bow like uncontrollably. Then he um, turned into a snake. You know, he had all of these great moments in that where he was doing all of this villainous stuff and the situation just seemed hopeless. Then when he unravels uh, Prince Ali and reveals that he's actually Aladdin, he had a great twisted Jafar song where he kind of takes the Prince Ali letter, the lyrics, and he turns them into this whole thing about Aladdin being this fraud and Prince Ali is nothing and it's really Aladdin. And and then he put him in like, a, I want to say he broke off one of the pillars of the palace and trapped Aladdin in it and then did a golf swing and knocked him out into the ends of the earth. Like, I mean, just thinking about all that. And sure, that's an animated cartoon. I get it. I understand. Some, maybe you could argue some of that was over the top for this version. But the point is, is he had a lot of momentum, man. He did all of that stuff un interrupted. That was just uninterrupted. Jafar, let's make him menacing. Let's make him dominant. Let's make him seem like an impossible to overcome adversary. And in the cartoon, they absolutely nail that. What Sterling is talking about here, where, you know, he has that moment where he's the sultan. He gets all of the soldiers are like, you know, hell Jafar. And then they start to take Jasmine away. And I totally am in the same park that um, uh, that Sterling is. That song, when she breaks out in that song as she's being carried away by the soldiers, that is a very empowering song. And I totally get it. And I'm always down for some girl power. I, I thought that was a very great scene with her. And the actress, as you stated, Naomi, man, her singing, her presence, all of it was there. But it was at the expense of Jafar, because what was Jafar doing while this was going on? He was sitting there. He was just sitting there watching her have this number in the middle of him kind of starting his dominance because he had just got the lamp. And like Sterling said, that just totally 
killed his momentum. He needed to have some uninterrupted moments where he seemed fierce and unbeatable and relentless, just like what Sterling was talking about, what we saw at the beginning, where he just mercilessly kills the guy like just because he didn't get the right answer. That just because the guy had a difference of opinion, really, he killed the guy. So if a guy is that ruthless, you just expect that to come to the surface or come full circle at the end. And that song number for Jazzman killed his momentum and he just never got it back. You know, the movie resumes and we do get to see some of Jafar's power. But man, he just never really got what he needed in those scenes. Yeah, and I think that they could have handled it in a better way and kind of had their cake and eat it too. By still having that song, they had multiple times within the movie to address the whole like Jasmine being told she is supposed to be seen and not heard. They they did that several times in the movie. That was kind of a theme that people would use against her character a lot. So they really easily could have put that song in at the beginning. And then when she's being taken away, do like a Broadway turn where you kind of have the melody of that song play and maybe have her sing like an un, like just sing the word unspoken kind of hinting at that mentality from the song previously in the movie and then you know they could have continued on with Jafar it wouldn't have broken up the moment as much and sacrificed Jafar's character and still given Jasmine that empowering nature that you know they were really trying to deliver in this movie you could have had both in that and it really would have sealed the deal with showing jasmine's mindset in that moment of she had just been told again you know she's not you know meant to be heard you know she's just supposed to you know sit there and marry somebody and let them be the sultan so they really could have done that in in both ways and really kind of solidified it and I think that would have made it better because you wouldn't have ruined the momentum of Jafar, which would have made him probably more menacing because that's my key word with him. He was not menacing enough to really, truly beat Jafar. And so I think they could have done that and not ruined his momentum, but then still had that moment for her. And that would have made it special because that is a song that was not in the original. And it was one of the few songs that they added that wasn't in the original that didn't that i did like the song i just really didn't like the moment in which they were using the song but yeah and and so when when jafar's like didn't like his momentum's broken up and then he just like it's almost like it resets him where he has to then reestablish all these things he's going to do again by then becoming a sorcerer and doing this and doing that and becoming the genie he has to reestablish everything from the beginning and I'll say this, their weird turn of, oh, let me send Aladdin to like essentially Antarctica and, you know, Genie zaps the rug there to save him. And then the rug gets him back in time to save the day. I was like, if the rug can go that fast to get him there or get him back there to save the day, (laughs) he probably could have made it there without being zapped away by the Genie. And also on top of that, like. Fuck, dude, that guy and that monkey would have both been dead from hypothermia way before that. They were not dressed in any way, shape, or form for the, the Arctic, you know? And and it takes Aladdin like a good 30 seconds to even like start like rubbing his arms like people do when they're cold, you know, in movies. That whole crossed arm arm rub thing that I don't, I've never, I don't think I've ever done in my actual life. But if people are cold in movies, they do it. And it takes them a good long time to start that. Like, I've been in some brutally cold weather. I mean, I live in Chicago. It's, you know, I've I've been outside on days where it's fucking negative 50. Now I understand Antarctica gets even colder than that. But I mean, 
even then when you're outside in that type of weather it's not a damn 30 seconds especially if you're not dressed for it if you know if you're not dressed for it it hits you and you just go oh fuck it's cold like you instantly start doing stuff it is not uh oh give it time to register type of moment <laughs> and when you're watching this scene it it looks like antarctica if it's not antarctica it's the north pole so either way it's still really fucking cold it's not like they send him to like maine like like early spring in maine where it might be just a little chilly no this is still super cold and i mean for as far as the movie is concerned it looks like him and abu do just fine for 30 minutes <laughs> and i'm like no if you're if you're ever that cold you are not going to be just fine for 30 minutes you're just not like i said i've been in weather where if you're skin is exposed to the wind for long and like five or six minutes you're in danger of getting frostbite on it and they were in that type of weather out in the open wearing just rags for clothes that monkey would have been dead in 30 seconds (laughs) that monkey has no protection whatsoever just wearing a little vest and maybe a hat i don't even remember if he's wearing a hat not like that hat would fucking matter in that instance but he's like clinging to an ice wall I'm like, that motherfucker's hands would have been frozen and numb and he would have fallen to his death half an hour before Aladdin even got to him. <laughs> that's, so. that's, you're totally right though. Cause like, yeah, the moment they get there to Antarctica or the North Pole or whatever, at first Aladdin can't find a boo and he's just looking around like, where's a boo? It's so funny. Cause you're right. Like he didn't react to the cold at all. He's just looking around like, where's a boo? And he starts yelling, a boo, a boo. And he's looking for a boo, but he's not reacting to the cold. And then I believe if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't until he almost found like you said trapped under their hot you know almost almost kind of not all the way in the chasm but he was on like a cliff or like a little edge piece of the mount ice mountain and he's leaning and abu's leaning up against this ice mountain and then i think finally once aladdin found him then he started registering the cold but yeah it took a while for him, long, uh, uncomfortably long amount of time for him to register that cold. So, yeah, you got a point there. And it's it, it might sound like nitpicking, but at the same time, I mean, and I know I've said this plenty of times in this podcast, if the movie doesn't give you a reason to not think about it at that moment, it's the movie's fault. It's not your fault. It's the movie's fault. And that's just something I was thinking the entire time, like is he's waking up on the snow covered ground. And he just stands up like he just woke up in the streets of Agrabah that day. I'm like, dude, no, that is not how that would be at all. That's all I'm thinking during the every scene where he's in this frozen tundra of a wasteland and he's just fine. And then he's like a boo, a boo. And then he finds a boo. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I see my monkey shiver. I was like, were the warm thoughts of his, you know, love and affection for a boo keeping him warm until he found him? (laughs) It just made no damn sense. And, you know, it's it's just one of those things where it's like I said, it sounds nitpicky, but it's just it makes so much sense when you're watching it. It's just like, what the fuck is going on in that scene? But then, like, you go back to uh, the the battle with Jafar and one nice twist they did in this versus over the, the cartoon is, you know, after they steal the lamp from him after he's already the genie and stuff like that, or after he's already the sorcerer you know they steal the lamp from him for a little bit and they have and he changes uh iago into a gigantic monster bird uh to chase them down on the on the magic carpet 
And that was a really cool scene. I liked the yeah. way they did that. I liked the way that they made this air chase go. And, you know, it, it kind of showed his, his suaveness and, um, of knowing the streets of Agrabah and being able to kind of maneuver a little better than this gigantic bird and stuff like that. And I really kind of uh, appreciated that scene. And that was a nice change from everything. Um, so I, I really do appreciate it. And also, I did like the way they did Iago to where he just wasn't talking all the time. He was kind of talking like a parrot does, but he could actually just say words. He could go see something and come back and say that to Jafar. But he did it in the way that when you hear like a parrot or a macaw or something like that speak, he did it in that fashion. And I did. I, I really liked the way they were able to ground Iago, but still kind of keep Iago being that way. Yeah, and it was obvious that like Iago understood and interpreted what Jafar was saying or trying to do, or if there was an awkward moment, he could portray that with a few words. And I thought that that was very effective rather than just like you said, having him going on with this dialogue and stuff like that. And I, and I know that the, the voice actor that played him in the cartoon was entertaining and stuff like that, but this felt a little more, but this grounded approach, I think was also done well too, because there were times when a, when a character would say something to Jafar and the parrot would, without Jafar having to act or say his thoughts or react, the parrot would actually say what Jafar was thinking. Like, like, you know, he, right, that ain't, that's not going to be a good idea. And then, you know, Jafar would have this look on his face and you would know, okay, Jafar is, uh, did not like what that character said, or Jafar is definitely going to do something shady here. Like they had a good what they had a good dynamic where the parrot didn't have to have his own scenes or didn't have to have his own personality. He complimented Jafar in, in, in a more organic way in this one. And that's probably the best thing about Jafar is his dynamic with that fucking bird. Because other than that, like I said, he just seemed like a very weak version of that character. And he does become the genie, the, the evil genie at the end. And it looks dumb. It doesn't look like a cool version of the, the animated version. It looks like they kind of just took the live action character and then kind of made him red from the chest down. And, you know, he all of a sudden was like bald. I don't know where that came yeah. from. And it just it, it just felt weird. It, it it wasn't like what they did with Will Smith as a human and Will Smith as a genie, where that seemed rather seamless. That was a very good way of doing it. The evil Jafar version just looked like they took another character and made it a genie. And, and so it didn't have the same impact and all this other stuff. I think Will Smith's genie at the beginning when he first comes out of the lamp was more intimidating than Jafar's version of the genie at the end, you know, and. But I did like the fact that, that they did the whole, you know, he became a genie bound by rules, you know, and, and all that stuff. I like the way it showed him getting his gauntlets, uh, you know, to bind him to the lamp and stuff like that. I, I thought that was a, a nice visual for doing it that way. Um, one thing I, f I forgot to touch on earlier that I'd feel really kind of sad for not touching on, especially would be the uh, two of the biggest songs from Aladdin with you never had a friend like me or um, I would show uh, I will show you the world. Um, I thought both of those songs were just incredibly fantastic. I liked the way they did both of those. I liked Will Smith's kind of take on doing something like that in this song. Like I said, it wasn't as zany. It still had some zany-ish moments. Like there was a time where he's, you know, dressed up in the attire of a, a, a really high-end, like, or that stereotypical high-end restaurant. 
attire where essentially like the waiters and waitresses wear tuxes all the time. He had that kind of, you know, suit on for a part and all this other stuff. And, you know, he had a boo playing a drum set, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, but it's, it was still a very good version of the song. I really, really liked that version of the song. And then like, like I, the, I will show you the world, which is one of the biggest songs also from that. It's, you know, this very huge and, you know, romantic moment between Jasmine and and Aladdin. And I loved the way they did that in this movie. You know, I liked the way, you know, especially especially with Naomi Scott's voice. I thought it was just fantastic. She really nailed that part. And I think she carried the song a little bit because I wasn't completely sold on the other guy's voice at the moment yet. He he very much has a Broadway theater type of voice, the way the way he's seeing speak sometimes and stuff like that, which isn't a bad thing. It's just not what I was expecting for something like this. But by the end of that song, the way they did it visually and everything like that, I was sold. I was sold on that moment. And when you're when you're remaking something like Aladdin, if you can't sell those points, the bigger songs is where you're really going to get hurt. Like whenever you look at the live action version of Beauty and the Beast, when they do the the song where they're they're dancing in the ballroom where Mrs. Potts sing uh, Tales All This Time, nothing against Emma Thomas's voice or anything like that. It's just that song didn't completely sell me during that moment in the live action Beauty and the Beast. And so I was kind of worried that in, in the, the I Will Show You the World that it wouldn't it would do the same thing and it wouldn't quite sell me on it. And I'll say that they did. They did sell me on it and that point. And that's probably one of the bigger things, bigger obstacles they would have to overcome is overcoming some of those direct, like large direct comparisons. And I did think they nailed that part. Yeah. And I, and I can't, yeah, you're right. I can't believe we kind of didn't talk about the songs earlier, but it's cool. We, we eventually got there, but yeah, like you said, man, the, the songs in these Disney films are so, so important. And like you said, that's an element that I think if anything, you can get a lot of things wrong, but if you mess up most of the songs or you're doing a little too much on the songs or they don't feel uh, genuine or they don't kind of bring back that nostalgia, if they don't incite or energize you, then you have failed as a, a Disney movie remake. And yeah, you're right. When, when it really comes to the songs, man, I really feel like just about all the songs in this landed for me. Um, we Now, we talked about the Jasmine the second time that Jasmine was doing her I Would Not Be Silent song and how it was wasn't in the right place per se, but it was still very well done by Naomi and she just has a great voice. But like you said, the only song that or songs I really had a problem with, if any problems with them, were just the ones where the actor uh, that played a Latin Mina, uh, Mina, Mina, let me see. Let me, I don't want to butcher his name. Mina Masoud. I want to say that Masad, Masoud, probably one of those. Um, sorry if I mispronounced that. But um, some of his songs, like I just was not feeling him at the beginning. Like when he's doing the Riff Raff Street Rat song, and that's kind of like a, a song that he's doing by himself. He seemed uncomfortable sometimes singing. Or maybe like you said, maybe he's so Broadway, his ability to kind of make it seem more seamless and matter of fact, kind of like what the Disney songs do. 
because the character's doing all these crazy things and stuff. It's all this crazy stuff is happening while the character's normally singing. But that was a scene where it was just him and it was his face and his emotions that he was conveying in that song. And man, I just, he didn't, he seemed a little off to me at some parts and his face i don't know if it was the facials i don't know if it was maybe a lack of charisma or a combination of both but when he was by himself it didn't land as well for me but yes but 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 coming back to that whole new world like when he was with naomi um and they were singing it together he seemed better he always seemed better in tandem with one of the other actors or actresses so he definitely recovered a lot better uh in that scene and like you said that whole new world that was a beautiful set piece um the 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 never had a friend like me of course that was great will smith did a really great job uh the prince ali which is one of my personal favorite disney songs that was nailed and another one that they kind of remixed that was a a pleasant surprise was the arabian Nights song at the beginning like, I love the way this film started. It was monumentally different from the, the, the way that the movie started with the Arabian Nights song, where you essentially have the merchant and everything's already happened, but he has the lamp and he's saying, oh, man, I got a story for you, man. This lamp, it may not look like much, but oh, man, there's a great story with this lamp. And he starts singing that Arabian Nights song. But I loved in this how it opens with Will, and he's already got a family, and the, it's the genie, but he's already got a family. All of that has happened, and he's telling his children this story. That, to me, was a better opening. And whenever it's going through the Arabian Nights song, the camera is going through the city, and we're seeing Aladdin and Abu, like, um, stealing stuff. And it's real, and, you know, Abu's grabbing stuff from different merchants, and Aladdin is sneaking around just so, and just, uh, nonchalantly just grabbing stuff out of people's pockets and stuff like that and the cameras dipping and dodging through the city and and it was nighttime and there was nice lighting and colors that was really a gorgeous scene used with that arabian night song and i totally appreciated that change oh no you were absolutely 100 percent right when it comes to uh prince ali and arabian nights those were also two fantastic versions of the song and once again it really shows how uh impressive will smith was in those because he was the main person in both of those scenes and i like that they leaned into the fan theory from from the original aladdin that the the merchant at the beginning of the movie who d does the setup and is quote-unquote telling the story was the genie in disguise and they very much played into that without it being in disguise in this version of it with him being on a ship with these children and he's like let me tell you the story of this and you know then he's the genie and then you you know find out that he marries uh jasmine's handmaid and has two kids with them with her and you know that's this that's the setup from the beginning i like how they really made that go full circle but it really played into that fan theory of the genie's the one telling the story and stuff like that so like you said by doing that and then going into uh, arabian nights and stuff like that i thought that was a really fantastic job of doing that and one other thing i want to touch on that i'm upset with myself that i didn't bring up earlier is when Aladdin freed Genie from the curse of the lamp and freed him from his his servitude as the genie. That felt like one of the most genuinely heartfelt moments I've seen in a movie in a very long time. The way Will Smith and, and that guy portrayed that scene was fucking great. 
I can't even undersell that like as like enough. Like it was fucking great. Like the way Will Smith approached it and the way his his facial expressions were, he legitimately felt like he was a genie that just got freed after like thousands and thousands of years of being, you know, in servitude. And, you know, and they and they did those they did like a little fun little gag afterwards too when the genie was like, Tell me to do something. And Aladdin says something and he's like, Ha, no, you know. And it's exactly how you would feel that that character who did have a very good sense of humor about things would approach something like that all of a sudden you know he just couldn't wait to say no to something and and i thought that was great like because that that's how you would be if you're constantly having to say yes to something you know i like the fact that they you know he just was able to say no and he just that that look of utter joy and happiness on his face at the ability to say no is just was a really, really great job by Will Smith. Yeah, and and you're right. Like, his facials just totally sold that scene because he didn't make any noises. Like, the moment he said, Genie, Aladdin said, Genie, I wish for your freedom, and... It, it it took a moment for it to settle for it to settle in with his brain what was happening. And you see all of that. You feel all of that just with Will Smith's expressions. And then there's a part where he just kind of freezes. But the only thing that's changing is his face. And it almost looked like he was about to shed a tear. Like that's what it looked like. And it was so heartfelt and it just felt so genuine. Like you, this person realizing that this is really happening, but still needing that confirmation, like ask me to do something, you know, before it fully registers. But my goodness, he did such a great face on that. It was such a transition from, okay, I'm ready to grant this last wish from Aladdin to wait a second. I'm actually free. And it was all in his face. The joy of that, the surprise of that, and the sentimentality behind that was all in his face. Probably, arguably, the strongest acted scene in the film. Definitely. Yeah, I think I think the only real uh, case it has or uh, scene that might have a case against it would be Naomi uh, Scott singing that unspoken song that we have talked about was ill-placed but was just still hurt she just knocked it out of the park though like when so when she was doing that and the looks of determination and everything she was giving during that song of she was kind of heartbroken because you know she's heard that from her father too and she was hearing it now from Jafar and all this other stuff and they were kind of against the you know and things like that so just the looks on her face I think is a very strong contender for just using expressions to really nail home the moment that those expressions were given it. Yeah. And I mean, she's, I, I, I expect her to do even bigger and better things though. I mean, you could argue, well, this is definitely a big thing right here. And like you said, she had a good presence in the power Rangers uh, film as well. Uh, but this definitely, she stood out. I mean, she clearly stands out in this as one of the best actors on the, in this film. And next to Will Smith and somebody like that, that's hard to do. 
So it should be of a surprise to no one, you know, that Will Smith acts well in a film. But for somebody like her to get that stage and really knock it out of the park and in and in some scenes actually save the scenes says a lot about her acting ability and her talent. So, yeah, I was very impressed with her and I'm seeing a lot of critic reviews and stuff like that. And her name is getting mentioned, man. So. Uh, definitely, I expect to see more of her. I was very surprised with her performance and pleased with it. Like, I'll say this. When I saw her in Power Rangers, I was like, oh, it'll be cool if they get a Power Rangers 2, you know, for her to come back to. I, I thought she was, you know, very good in that role. But in this, like, I can't wait to see what she does next. Like, I'm super excited by what she could possibly have as her next movie or something like that. Like she's very much now quickly become one of the, like the actresses I really want to see again. So like, I'm probably going to end up going to her IMDb today and just seeing what is like in production or about to come out or just any other things she's been in that I might've missed, you know, cause maybe I shouldn't have been surprised by her performance. Maybe it's been there in other things and I just missed it. So She's definitely somebody to look out for. I really do think you should remember the name Naomi Scott because I don't think you'll be disappointed if she does anything even like 75% as good as she did in this movie, I think would still be a very quality fucking performance. Uh, So that is something I'm I'm very much uh, super stoked about. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, you're right. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised. So, yeah, I'd be curious to know what other projects she's got coming up or what other projects she's been in because maybe like you said from those past projects maybe we should have saw this coming but definitely she had a moment here she definitely had a moment here and is one of the saving graces or or, or if anything best characteristics of this film definitely oh yeah definitely um so i mean at this point it's kind of you know towards the end of everything so i mean uh, uh so it's time for our scores and recommendations and everything like that so uh what would you give this movie as far as the score goes and would you recommend it okay i am going to give this let's go with overall i'm gonna go with 65 genies all 65 different ones all giving you reasons for why prince ali is the greatest prince and person of all time, whether it's his golden camels or his servants or his uh, big elephants that he rides into town on out of a hundred. So I'm going to lean up positive with this movie. Was it perfect? No. Were there some scenes that kind of had me kind of like, well, was that really necessarily Sarah was that was that necessary in the movie? Yes. There are those scenes where I am questioning just if they needed to add it or not. And like I said, some two of your main characters, I feel struggle to kind of really establish their place in this. Like you said, uh, the Aladdin, Aladdin grew on me. The Aladdin character did grow on me and he got stronger as the film progressed. And who knows, maybe that was kind of the idea. But Jafar took a hit here, man. It took a hit, and may, and I don't know if it was just because we were the our director and writers were more concerned with other things, but Jafar took a hit here, man. And like you said, man, a lot of these films, especially these Disney films, they hinge on that villain. That villain has to be strong. That villain has to have a presence. That villain has to 
in a lot of ways carry certain parts of the film. And I just don't feel like they nailed it with this villain. Dare I say, out of all of the Disney reboots, this might be the one that kind of had that, that, that sort of did their villain the worst. I mean, he just seemed less formidable than a lot of other people to me. And it's a stark contrast to like the Jungle Book remake where Shere Khan was just fantastic and intimidating and had that presence and was voice acted well and stuff like that in the Jungle Book. And then you get to this and they just sort of neutered Jafar and he just couldn't. And then when he finally started to build some momentum, they took it away from him. So for those reasons, I can't give it a super high recommendation, but I am going to recommend this. This is a fun film and it's a fun family film. And whether you're going for nostalgia, you're a fan of the original, you're a fan of Disney, or you've got some kids and stuff like that to take, they're going to love this. They're going to love the bright colors. There's funny scenes throughout that are just funny for the whole family. I know we talked about in another podcast, the Pokemon podcast, where there are jokes for adults and kids and sometimes they can be a bit jarring. Well, in this, most of the jokes land and most of them work on any level. I, I think I, that that's a fair thing to say about the film. And overall, some of the things they added did make certain characters stronger. And like I said, I just appreciated the look of this and the vibrant colors. So overall, it's a recommendation for me. I'm actually probably going to surprise you with my score, um, especially I, and I, it might partially be because the bar was set so low going into this. My expectations were just bedrock going into this movie, you know, and like, and like I said earlier, I'm not the hugest fan of the animated Aladdin movie, um, but coming out of this, I was ultimately I was just I was pleasantly surprised when it was all said and done. So, so as far as the recommendation goes, I, I would say I, I definitely would recommend this. I think, especially if you were apprehensive about Will Smith being genie or how they were going to handle the genie character, because I do understand a lot of people have this nostalgic, you know, sweet spot in their heart for Robin Williams portraying that character. I do think that you'll be missing out on something really fun and exciting with Will Smith's take on the genie. Um, and I think just in general, if you have children, I really think they should watch this also just to see what they do with the character of Jasmine. I think it's fucking great how they handled her character. She was an incredibly strong character and spoiler alert for the end of the movie. She, she becomes Sultan at the end of the movie, which is a, a good change. Um, from the original one where they just kept having to be like, oh, no, it still has to be a man. At the end of this movie, they say, fuck it. Jasmine deserves to be the sultan. And and it felt like the right thing to do with the way that character was portrayed yeah. in this movie. And so it it wasn't just a shoehorned moment just to be like, oh, well, look, a woman can do this. Like, no, her character 100 percent earned it through everything she did in this movie. And so I liked the fact that they did that, that they gave her the ending that she did deserve based on what she brought to the movie. Um, like I said, there are some missteps. Jafar is just an incredibly, incredibly weak character. They do add some songs that are not necessary. The one song that they add that I did like, they just added at the wrong moment. I truly think they could keep that song, just put it in a different place, and it would have just really kind of sealed the deal. And I think that might have even saved Jafar. But I just don't think that Guy Ritchie was the right director for this. But visually speaking, it still had just utterly fantastic moments and great performances by by characters 
that you aren't necessarily leaning towards to have those great performances. You don't necessarily need Genie and Jasmine to carry this movie as much as you would think you would need Aladdin to. But I think that their performances are so good. The fact that the Aladdin is a little weaker than I thought he would be, I still think benefited because of how strong his the, the complimentary roles were for him. And so honestly, for my score, I can't believe I'm actually about to say this. I am going to give this 75. Will Smith and Naomi Scott are just fucking greats out of wow. Okay. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm leaving it at that. I I'm no take backs. I've done it. I've said it. Final answer. That's what I'm going to leave it at. Uh, yeah. So if you couldn't tell, I, I, I do recommend this movie. I think for what they could have done with this, there, there are some elements they could have fixed, but I think ultimately they nailed some things that I think make it worth watching. I think they hit enough of the right notes to make it worth watching and, and, and talk about what you were talking about with jokes. You're, you're absolutely right. They did not have so many jokes like split up between adults and kids. I think they did a very good job of just getting the right type of jokes and the right delivery of jokes that it was, they were universal jokes and they work. Now, are they like knees, like knee slapping, like side splitting laughter? No, but their moments of levity that succeed and that's what you that's what you need in a film like this and i think they did hit the right percentage of those to make that work so other than that guys we do thank you for listening check us out on at www.cinemaslayers.com check us out on twitter and instagram at cinema underscore slayers check us out on facebook at cinema slayers check us out on any podcast app you want if you listen to one mainly and you don't think we're on there check and see if we are and if we're not let me know i'll make sure we get on there because we're on pretty much all of them stitcher uh uh, Spotify. I don't know why I just blinked on Spotify, but Spotify, uh, Apple, Google, we're just on all the fucking platforms you can think of. And like I said, if we're not, let me know and I'll figure out what I have to do to make sure that you can listen, listen to us on your preferred podcasting platform. We do have, uh, we, I, I will be announcing a, well, I, I've already kind of announced, but we will be doing a more formal announcement to another show that will be coming up that is hosted by me where we are going to be I am going to be debating movies and TV shows and in the future, other other things, books, uh, recipes, anything other people can think of um, called Sterling versus the world. So it's me and a guest and we're just going to be the guest is going to get to choose the movie and the guest is going to get to choose my position on it, whether or not it's good or bad. And I have to argue that position for that movie, regardless of how I actually feel about it. And I promise you. I will always do my best because there's nothing more that I like to do than argue with people and to argue right. So other than that, guys, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. Yeah.